Hey guys, it's the Fonjais here. Before we get the show going, um, just want to mention that if you want to support the podcast, go ahead, go to teespring.com slash pop. We got merch you can get right now. There's t-shirts, tank tops for the summer. We got cell phone covers. Cell phone covers. You have a Samsung and an iPhone. We got coffee mugs. We got shirts for men, women, kids. And right now, as a promotional offer, you can get $5 off your order at Teespring. Just use the, the code TALKPOP. When you check out, that's it. Just go to teespring.com slash pop. Check out our merch. Support the podcast. Like I said, we're not sponsored by anybody. This is independently run. Now let's get into the show. Welcome to another edition of Talking Pop with the Franchise and Biko. Of course, I'm your host, the Franchise, and of course, is my brother, my co-host, Biko. Hello, guys. And of course, our roommate, Mondo's here, too, with us. Hello. And like, you know, this is a different recording. We're not using the Podbean app right now. I'm using like sound recorders. So we're going to try to see if we can talk more because since Podbean only limits us about an hour and a half, let's see if we can try to go beyond that. So it could be a special set episode. What makes this episode is not only this is episode 26 now. Yeah, we're past 25 now. Also, too, I don't know if you remember, there's a certain movie came out last weekend before 4th of July. Of course, I'm talking about Spider-Man. Pretty much is uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. It came out last Tuesday. Um, we took an opportunity to go see it last Saturday night because, of course, we all work different hours. So the only time we ever got together was like late night on a Saturday to go check out Spider-Man Far From Home. Basically, it's the last Marvel movie of this year. And it's supposed to end the current phase of the Infinity Saga. So I said this is going to be a review of Spider-Man Far From Home. I want to give you guys a warning. It is going to be spoilers. Because like I said, there's going to be a lot of spoilers. So if you haven't seen the movie, go watch the movie first. Come back and listen to our review because we're gonna give you guys our opinions, what scenes we like, you know, acting, the writing. You know, we're gonna break it down and of course look at other opinions or discussions that we discuss right now because that's like the one thing right now is Spider-Man Far From, far from Home. Like I said, this is the last phase of the Infinity Saga, and of course, this is the only Marvel Cinematic Universe movie that's gonna tie us over till next year, which apparently won't be planned till May of next year. But all we know is Marvel Entertainment will be at Comic-Con, so we'll have to wait and see what they announce. Hopefully it's the next phase, or next titles are going to be slated for the next two years. But for right now, let's focus on Spider-Man. So, pretty much with Spider-Man Far From Home, pretty much it's, you know, it takes place after Endgame. So, they kind of, you know, Spider-Man's going through this time, you know, people too, you know, now they're calling the Snap now, the Blip. Now, which is kind of like a weird name, they decided to call it. And it's like, you know, like I said, this movie jumped five years at Endgame. So people that were gone during the snap or the blip, they're coming back. And the people that did not disappear, you know, time moved on. Some were older. So, of course, you know, everyone's mourning the loss of Tony Stark. And, of course, the movie opens up, you know, we see, like, them doing, like, a slideshow. Almost like a musical tribute, which is, you know, said to I Always Love You by Whitney Houston. <laughs> so we see the little slideshow. You can tell it's done by the high school. And they talk about pretty much the blip and everything um, going on. And, of course, you know, Peter, most of his classmates are still around. But of course, there's some now that are in his class who were in his class before. Like, what's his name? Like, what was that guy's name? The that, Rival. The like, Rival. Like, no, not no. Flash. No, it was like Peter's, like... The kid who... Yeah, yeah Peter gets a romantic rival, guys. Oh, looks, oh, my... Was it like Ben Davis or something? Something. The, the guy who's going after MJ. Yeah. yeah, because remember, he was just a little wimpy kid, but yeah. five years later, he grew up. Yeah, that's that's actually one of my gripes of the movie. Uh, second, uh, anyways. Uh, yeah, he gets in... 
he so they set up a little more. They give him an antagonist on both sides: his personal Peter Parker life, and the antagonist of Spider-Man, which obviously is uh, you have. Obviously, we have spoilers, but for, for to open to provide exposition for the movie, yeah, he Peter Parker's trying to juggle what he truly wants to be and what he feels what needs to be, and he's trying and he's having trouble uh, figuring out. What he th holds more important to him, knowing that like Spider-Man is more of a duty, and his life as Peter Parker is sort of getting strained, and he's starting to get frustrated in the fact that he wants to be a kid, but then the whole, you know the whole End Game happened and the Avengers thing, and he doesn't quite see the superhero role as being something that should always interfere with his real life because it's a teenager you know so we get a good glimpse onto the teenage struggle that we all hopefully went through when it came to indecision and, and finding identity through interests or whatnot um what what do you guys want to talk about first I mean, like you said, right, that, like what you said, because pretty much like, like I said, you just see Peter Parker now, he's still reeling for the fact that his mentor, his father figure, Tony Stark, is gone. Because now he's to this point, it's like, what should I do now? You know, it's like, should I still be the friendly with Spider-Man? He feels lost. He, he feels lost because he doesn't have that mentor, that father figure to be there to give him the right direction, to give him the right push. And of course, now he's got these feelings for MJ, you know? As you can see here now, he's got these, this crush on MJ, and now he wants to, he has this plan because now apparently his school's going on a trip. Like his yeah, class, his Europe. science class is going on a scientific European trip. And, of course, he and Ned are talking about, you know, what they're going to do. And, you know, Ned had his idea of back to American bachelors in Europe. And Peter has this whole plan of trying to, like, to woo MJ to be, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend to go steady and stuff. Not that, you know, Europe's important, but... He literally the whole time he's just traveling and all I can think about is just the plan executing perfectly for with MJ. But then obviously as life shows you, hopefully, plan every time you plan it never goes the way you want it to. It goes the way it should. So you need to you kinda have to put yourself in his shoes of like have you ever had a road trip where you thought you wanted to go all these places but your parents drag you to this and this and this and then you meet a cute girl at the summer camp and or whatever? Like, we get a good glimpse of that, and um, so even with five years pass by, it seems that, like, obviously with the no aging per part of it, 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 it feels weird. So, Peter's antagonist, which is, which you can't remember the damn first name of. I think it was, like, Ben Davis or something. We gotta, we gotta look up this name like, now. It's like, now it's like, he, he, he aged the five years, so he's still 17, 16, whatever age they are, but he's basically got the, he's got the... The physical form of maybe a 23-year-old athletic kid, like he he just looks older. But um, and Tom Holland don't push over himself either. But nonetheless, uh, the the movie kind of rides around like that as it surrounds Peter being on the group, his class his class group, and they're going around Venice, they're going around different parts of Europe, and along the way uh, he gets in con Shield contacts him, and so like you kind of get him struggling with the Spider-Man aspect of his life so then he kind of has to juggle being Spider-Man and being Peter Parker while in Europe and he 
he divides his identity that way, and it's you can easily see his frustration because he's like, I, but I'm friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He kind of, he says it like three or four times in the movie because he he that's who he felt he was. He's like, come on, that's what Tony told him to be. What am I? I'm just a kid from Queens, which is awesome to say, like to see that because he's right. But and I'd like to like get to Disney subliminals. Oh, it's Brad Davis. Okay, Brad Davis is name. Oh God, Brad Like, also it's Brad Davis. He's not even that important, but whatever. Oh, it was a romantic Bible. Yeah. It's like pretty much that's it. And it's like, and so, so yeah, He's like, a stud like Nick Fury's trying to gain contact with him, of course. You know, and but the funny thing too, I think one thing too about this too now, it's like. And of course, Aunt May's like helping out. You know, I guess they had like a, like he's this charity event. Looks like fast forward to a charity event that Aunt May's doing. You know, for the people that got you know by the snap and stuff by the blip. And apparently, she's like she was surprised when like she got back and you know she disappeared. So we knew that she disappeared. But when they got back, someone else was living in her apartment. Oh yeah, yeah. When she got she came back, and then of course, um, you know, they had the thing with Spider making appearance. She was wearing the Iron Man, the Iron Spider suit that Tony made for him. And then um, you see Happy coming in, and of course, John Fowler's back as Happy, which is kind of cool, cool character, which I do like. Is because now, if you think about it, you know, I don't want to give it away, but then you see a little bit of the Happy and Aunt May type, you know, thing going on. And of course, Peter's like, "What the heck's going on between you two? I'm like. Because he's like, like Happy's like, oh yeah, you got a new dress, huh? <laughs> making googly guys at each other, so. Of course, you know Aunt May's, you know, she knows Peter's Spider-Man, so she's cool with it. And it's kind of funny because she's like more supported that he's Spider-Man versus in the comics. Well, Aunt May, you know, was not, you know, at the beginning was not, you know, accepting of Peter as Spider-Man. Well, it depends on like what time frame you're talking about. Because at least the first time that I know of that, she definitively found out, or, or he specifically like admitted to being Spider-Man. She had known for years, she, and she had said as much. But it's like not calling uh, out on it, kind of. Yeah, because she just like she just wasn't a stupid woman. I think she maybe even said that to a degree. Like I'm not stupid. I figured it out, but you didn't tell me, so I didn't say anything, and just worried. And obviously, in the comics, she's a lot older, and that her frailty plays a big part in his decision making over and over again in the comics and here with her being a lot younger and more vital I think it makes her a lot more makes a lot more sense why he's with her like in her care like she's more accepting like she's like she goes she knows she's he's Spider-Man and she's okay with it think about it because she because she knew he wasn't alone that he had like the Avengers and the other you know but she had Tony he had Tony Stark you know watching over him but now it's like different now you know Although, I think in this one, they do say a couple different times, like, people talk about the Avengers, but oh, they yeah. don't specify anything about, like, is What's it going that people talk you? about, is it, like, that they actually know there's Avengers? Is it just that people think there's still Avengers? Because yeah. I, I think Peter it. says that he's not an Avenger. No. And near the beginning, when he's uh, getting lots when of Nick questions. Fury, yeah. But then later he welcomes Mysterio to the Avengers. So does Peter think he's the only Avenger around anymore? I mean, think about it, you know... Because everybody left. Because remember, Thor went... Remember, Thor went... Yeah, like Star the Guardians, Black Widow sacrificed herself. But that's... Uh, it's like, we don't know. It's like a... Crap, that's well, like I said, we don't know yet because, like I said, this is like, you know, now though. just focus on Spider-Man right now. This is like... 
But yeah, too, same thing too. Nick Fury's trying to reach out to him. It's funny how he's ghosting him and Happy's like, You can't ghost Nick Fury, don't ghost Nick Fury. And like you see all the phone calls and like, he's like, Okay, like his main focus is the trip and then eventually all oh. And it's funny with the only thing that was kinda of hilarious was Ned and Betty. They end up getting together <laughs> for some reason when they're on the oh, plane. Yeah, it's supposed to be Betty Brandt. Yeah, it's supposed to be Betty Brandt. Yeah, that's Betty Brandt. Yeah, I don't like that. I like that, but it's fine. Uh, they end up having a little romance going on in the plane. Like they end up connecting on the flight. So when they got to like, what was it, Venice? They started first. I think Venice. Venice. Yes. And then they went to Prague. And then they went to uh, uh, London. Yeah. No, Berlin. Berlin. Then oh yeah, they stopped in Berlin. Was where the end of it, all the crap, the, like the done, the last yeah, yeah, yeah. they end up being, because that's where the final big uh, elemental. Um, which would be a good segue to talk about Mysterio, because obviously... How he uh, gets introduced into Jake the... Hall comes in here as Mysterio, of, uh, obviously of no, known fame and other classic movies from the early 90s all the way to now. Um, he plays Mysterio in this, and... Come uh, back. Interesting, interesting, uh... Cast choice. I wasn't disappointed with it anymore, because I thought he did good, but... Uh, they have him as Mysterio, and I think... The way they wrote him was really good because it it played very good to the, the character and how they don't allude to him as an actor in this one. Obviously, they use him as a different type of thing, which was fine. I guess they they wanted to make it more relatable to what not, what how his ties with Tony Stark would be. But the, if you're familiar with the source material, he's just an actor. Uh, he's just an angry like a special effects artist or more Richard Charlie Manson wannabe because he was mad that they were kind of he got pushed to the side even though he was trying to do big special effects in movies and they thought that he was too overboard and so he used those effects to go and terrorize the city that that didn't want didn't want him around so uh, we did say spoilers right yeah this is oh, a spoiler yeah, well, this is a spoilers cool. episode dude so as Peter begins working with S.H.I.E.L.D. and their European missions, because they basically coerce him into it, really, because he has no choice, but uh, he aligns with Mysterio, which is so also brought into S.H.I.E.L.D. because... He's he, supposed to came from a different Earth. Yeah, he came from a whole different Earth realm, and... Uh, these elementals. He's been fighting these so-called big titan monsters called elementals, which are after the, the elements of... Earth. The, of the earth, you know, wind, fire, fire, wind, wind, air, water, whatever, uh, or earth, whatever, and um, we see both of them kind of teaming up, and and Peter takes a liking to, isn't it Quentin Beck? Yeah, that's yeah, he takes a liking to, to Mysterio because he really saw a lot of the same characteristics that he saw in Tony, in the sense that like they both they both shared similar things, except the difference between Tony and 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 Peter was that Peter had some sort of that, like, the, I guess you could say the good, the good neighborhood boy, or just like the good guy who's gonna do the, the right thing. So, I think Peter has like a sense of humbleness. Yeah, there you go. That, I don't think Tony, like, like that wasn't at Tony's core. Yeah. Whereas right. like Peter, he seems to have, they're portraying him as having like a very humble core, and then everything happens on top of that. Mm. Uh, oh no! Yeah, I agree. And and Quentin Beck goes, and I guess he 
helps them fight these elementals. He kind of gives them the whole down on what they, why they're attacking Earth and all this stuff. And then as the movie progresses, that's when the big turnaround comes, which I think was more or less the climax. It was like a soft climax, because the way I see that part, um, I think the other climax is when he gets the new suit. Like the reveal of Mysterio's, the reveal at, of like his, his actual, actual nature? Yeah, his oh, okay, actual yeah, nature yeah. and intention of what it was. Because he gives he gives the story to, to Nick Fury that these elementals destroyed his Earth's planet, including his family. And so he's been following these, um, these surges that have been happening in different planets, including ours, apparently. So he's been fighting that. And so Nick Fury and the, and the rest of his S.H.I.E.L.D. team, they buy it. So they go off and... They all continue to fight this mission, and, and what's revealed is Mysterio ends up being, uh, he was basically playing with them to, in order to get his true agenda, and that's to get back his uh, technology that Tony Stark had no, he commandeered, used really? As his own. As his own. Yeah, come on, he didn't give it to And then him, plus, um, Tony ended up getting, I mean, I mean, Peter ended up getting something from Tony Stark, which was the program mm. Edith. Which was yeah. basically what Tony had in Endgame and Infinity War, but he ended up giving it to Peter, which basically it's like a control, like like a global satellite surveillance system. It's an Alexa with deadly Basically, it's Alexa with, like, weapons, so basically. <laughs> yeah. So he can send, like, drones and stuff, which was kind of hilarious. That one scene when they're in the bus, and they're traveling through Austria, and then apparently uh, when Peter had went, they stopped at this rest stop, and Peter ends up getting... One of the agents ends up stopping him and saying, hey, you got to get ready, put on the suit. And then that one dude, Brad Davis, comes in and catches, you know, Peter with his pants down, pretty much. Oh, yeah, because Peter doesn't have his, he doesn't have his uh, he didn't. No, he left the suit in the hotel. Yeah. Even though his, he went, oh, yeah, we got to go back to that because they when they were packing, Aunt May's like, don't forget to bring your suit. And he's like, no, I'm not going to bring it. No, but they get it at the airport when he came through. That he didn't, no, he didn't pack it. So his aunt packed yeah, it from. Yeah, that's what they saw it, though. They're like, what the hell is this suit doing? No, they saw the banana. The, the, the suit no, the was suit there, the luggage. but they didn't pay attention to it. Yeah, they, they looked saw the at, suit. They took the banana, yeah. so it wasn't it was the, the suit fruit. that triggered yeah, it. Yeah. A, you see the Aunt Mabel, and she put a note in there, she left a, like a post-it note saying, yeah. you forgot this with a heart shake. <laughs> it was hilarious. Because I thought, oh, shoot. But I saw it around, I'm like, oh, shoot, he calm now. He's Spider-Man. And all of a sudden, like, the, lady, the customs agent just pulls out the banana. So we get like another, we get like another makeshift Spider-Man costume from, which is still pretty cool, because I thought it was like more or less the, the black one or the, the black stealth like suit, a like a stealth suit, possible type Spider-Man. Yeah, it was cool. It was alright. Also, it was like a tribute to like the Spider-Man noir, how it's all black and white. Yeah, it was really. Cool. It was just missing the trench coat and the hat. That's all I think you needed. Eh, more tactical, but like, I uh, we see him fight. Um, he ends up, Quentin ends up revealing his true. His true agenda to, uh, he has like a whole team of intellectual people who worked for Tony Stark and ended up getting... Either can What's the word I'm looking for? Can or something? Um... They're disgruntled. This, they're, yeah. They're, they're just former employees, basically. Disgruntled employees who were, who felt like they were, be, I guess, sort of backstabbed by Tony because he took advantage of their, their skills and capabilities to provide technology for his big company, and so... Mysterio gathers this group of misfits who all want to sort of get back to and, and, and then him at the helm because he's the one who creates such a powerful technology, which is BARF, or uh, basically a, a um, simulated reality. Yeah, augmented um, reality. Yeah, which is inc incredible effects, by the way. Just the way they did all that was really cool. Um, as far as pros go with this damn movie, geez, the, the effects were really great. Um, 
So we fight, we ride this roller coaster of him just fighting back and forth with Mysterio once he finds out that Mysterio really just wants to get his technology back. And he ends up kind of tricking Manipulator Peter to give yeah. him the glasses. He manipulated him to give Edith because Peter. Felt After they fight one of the elementals, Peter I think there's one at Prague, him. yeah. Yeah, he, he, gained, he gained a really big trust in him, and he's like, you know what? I I'm not ready that. to be the next yeah. Toy Star. I think you should be the next Toy Star. Gets up giving him the because he, he asked him what he wanted, and he wanted just to be with Mary Jane. Like that's that he, he just want to go to back to just playing there yeah. with Spider Man, just be a local hero, and just yeah. being. A, and that, that's what to me that was kind of cool too. I mean, the way they wrote Mysterio in this, like they had to give like an agenda, like he they had to give him something, reason why he's there. And pretty much what it was. He helped create this technology. This is augmented reality technology. And of course, Tony Stark took sole credit of it. He took sole credit of it. And then it made him like to the point that Quinn Beck was upset. And of course, he get, he get, like you said, he lists many people that worked for Tony Stark. One of them was the guy who was working for Obadiah Stane. But that was, that was a cool callback to Iron Man 1. It was that one gentleman and all these people that worked in different departments. Oh, the drone guy. Yeah. The drone guy and... Yeah, and like I said, he manipulates Peter, and of course, that brings out the essence of Mysterio, but it's what he was. He created illusions. That's the whole deal. I kind of like for a fact he had he was wearing the fishbowl head, which was kind of cool. That effect, the suit was awesome. I actually did like the suit. It was more towards the comics, but of course, I had to give it that whole MCU flair. And it was crazy because most of it was digital, kind of like how they were able to expose that it was like a digital suit. He was just wearing one of those normal... Rubber suits or something. Yeah. yeah, like a little bit later when you saw, like, he wasn't wearing a green screen suit, but he was wearing something that, like, functioned like a green screen suit. And that the fishbowl was actually... It was just all... It was, it was functional. <laughs> and then the, like, the illusions went on top of it. I will say I was actually, like, I had started to be a little bit concerned at the beginning of some of the Mysterio scenes with him against Spider-Man, where they were actually in conflict. Oh, because like I don't know about you guys, but with um, Homecoming, the fight at the end on top of the plane, it's him, Vulture. it's Vulture, it's this semi-invisible, damaged, flaming oh, yeah. airplane. Like I found it really hard visually, especially when they would like pull back to like medium and long shots, yeah, to keep track of like what was happening in the first movie because it was just so dig- like it was so much. Almost like Black Panther, the end of Black Panther. I thought like the fight scenes at the end Very, oh my looked God, really yeah. so subpar. Very this corny. I thought yeah. like it, they actually did a much better job, and I don't know if it's because like my mind clicked halfway into comic book cartoon mm-hmm. mindset because like it was just like okay, they're just like digitally painting what's happening now, and so I wasn't seeing anything that wasn't not <laughs> CGI, you know, like it, but. Any of the scenes where they had like the the background changing and everything moving really fast, like I was fine with it. I thought they did a really good job on that. Yeah, you're right. That's the one thing I hate about Black Panther. Terrible computer generated last the fight scene with that. that with like all like, the leaping and that, yeah. Yeah, like all computer, and then it's just like uh, it didn't even work. It didn't work. But uh, was yeah, it was good because like the, they kept it pretty even with all the crap that was going. They kept it. Uh, they kept it linear, at least being on the bridge and whatnot. But especially with a character like Mysterio, where he doesn't have like super strength or all this stuff, he's, he was just an normal guy. He used to manipulate your mind, and we see him take really big effect onto Spider-Man. So yeah, especially I like I did like those scenes where he catches him in the illusion. Yeah. And then catches him in the illusion, and you see him like 
to the point he's in the he's even in his old suit, which I did. It was crazy because he was back to his classic suit and then he was wearing the homemade suit that he made and you know how pretty much he used like Peter's like weaknesses against you know Spider Man. You know, how Spider Man he had all this pressure of being the next Tony Stark. He, he got to know him. He got to know him because Quentin Beck got to know Peter a little bit. And of course, um, the only thing I want to point out is Nick Fury. <laughs> oh. oh my god. He's definitely he, a big presence presence in this damn movie. But he wasn't himself. He something was off. That was that was weird, yeah. You got him and Maria Hill there, which was, you know and then they have all these other agents and like Dimitri was kinda hilarious and Oh yeah. And then, insane. Yeah, he yeah, it, it was And it's funny how they were name driving people like yo, where's Thor? He's like off world. He's like Captain Marvel, don't invoke that name. Yeah, and that's what a lot of people, a lot of little opinions I've read have said. It's like if you, if you were paying attention, like by the time you saw the final stinger, it made sense why certain bits of it might have not sounded quite right during the scene. Yeah, because like Fonz and I had talked like at one point, and I was saying it's like just the choice, the choice of the word invoke. Was like that was very spe- that was like probably where they took it like right to the lines like if you don't know something weird is happening right now, then you're just you're not gonna get it. Yeah. Uh, and that's, yeah. you know it was just that's a very specific type of phrase. It's like you don't use that without like a feeling of like reverence or respect for like whatever you're invoking. You know, so like you wouldn't just say that like don't use that name or. You know, don't talk about her. Don't bring her into the like. You know, yeah, you, that's so more weird. what people would say. Yeah. But if you've got that kind of relationship that they kind of reveal later, mm-hmm. like that invoking has like that makes more sense then. Yeah. Uh, and what about this film too? Is it was to me it was more like a high school road trip, like high school vacation trip because. You got to see more of Peter's like classmates more too. They were a little bit more fleshed out, and you got to see more of Flash because you can see why he's a bully. But it's more like he wants to get the attention because he's not getting enough of it. He's just, just a typical even though he's kid. like he's yeah. a spoiled kid. A typical risk. Typical risk. But at the same time, it's like you feel bad for him because it's like there's that one scene when you get home from the airport. They're all arrive at the airport. You see all the parents welcoming their kids back, and the only person you see is the limo driver for Flash. Is like. And Flash was hoping, like, you know, his mom or his dad, like, his dad was there. But no, they weren't there. And it's like... And it's funny for that one scene when they're trapped in, the, in London, when they're in the, the vault. Oh, they're running away from... Um, He's like, like I'm the reason why mom because I'm always alone or something. Like, <laughs> Are they running away from again? The drones, drones. The yeah. drones. The drone of Mysterio got into control. Yeah. Oh, that's what Flash said? That's why he was always... Yeah, that's why he was always filming a vlog, because he wanted because knowing people, he wanted people to like him. People to like him, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't remember that. I mean, I, that, that, I'm sure... I, mean, it's, right. like, I like for the fact that Kev Flash is like, you know, he likes Spider-Man, because that's why he was. He was obsessed with Spider-Man in the comics, you know, he was a big fan of Spider-Man. And of course he picks on Peter, you know, it's like... <laughs> like that one scene when they're at the, what, the hotel they're staying in Italy, in Venice, he's like, wow, Spider-Man's a hero. He's like, he helps people. And he turns around and sees Peter walking by. He's like, "What's up? Hey, what's up, Dickwad?" <laughs> like, what the? like one minute he changes, like, "Oh." Just well, yeah, because you gotta make sure that you catch all the typical clips of Peter Parker because his personality can't—he can't be, you know—he's still an intimidated, like recluse. He's, you know, what I mean, like he's still Peter Parker. And don't forget about the Peter Tingle. 
Oh yes. The feeder tingle. He starts. He starts. The spider sense. Spider sense. He just doesn't have the proper name for it yet because it wasn't his choice. Somebody his aunt May gave it to him. Hey, I noticed your little. Oh, is it your Peter tingle? And it's like, no, it, no. <laughs> so you know, it's we get a lot. It, this one felt a lot more comedic. Because his spider around. sense is starting to catch. Uh, that's what I like. That's his powers part. are slowly developing. Yeah. Like it, it was. The pros Peter and tingle. cons. Can we do pros and cons? You want to do pros and cons? Yeah. yeah. Let's do pros and cons. Let's do pros and cons. What were your pros and cons of this film, dude? Um, uh, let's do, we'll do like one each pro and then one each con. Okay. So we'll keep it around. Okay. Okay, so a pro of mine right now is uh, I like the incorporation of different suits based on the different pacing of the movie and at the timing of what Peter felt and how confident he was. And being in in unrecognized surroundings, surroundings like just being in Europe, and then having to separate again from the class, and having to fight for Spider-Man, and fight for Shield, even though you can just tell that he doesn't want, like he just doesn't want to. Like it just, there's always that frustration and struggle. So there's always something not right between everything involved. Um, so that was good. Cons. Um, I thought the teacher jokes were annoying, even though I, I like J.B. Smoove as a comedian, and he was fine. His lines were fine, but I think that whole ordeal things were annoying. Um, but that's just my preference. Um, I did I didn't mind the incorporation of Shield, but it felt weird considering that Nick Fury and Maria Hill held had to had to be written that way, considering the stinger at the end. That's fine. Obviously, when you watch it, you're like, well, what the hell are they doing? Like, this, this is mediocre. Where's the rest of the shield? There's like six of them. Mm-hmm. And they have this underground thing where they bring them in. Um, so I just I just felt like knowing, without knowing the stigma at first, I thought they could have done, flushed that out a little more so we can, so we would tell that these characters are still acting within their personality archetypes as opposed to characters playing other characters as you find out in the stinger but um that's one of my pros and cons was just like the the a lot of the jokes missed for me but i'm not i don't know i'm also not easily amused to certain things but like that type of little sometimes of a slapstick and sometimes just like hammy jokes that i don't like but i, I jb smooth and martin star are great i don't and other things i just didn't really care for them in this movie i thought they were just really uh, cheesy professors that didn't really need to be there because I thought it was just going to be like I, of course when you go on a trip on class you have to chaperone but I just felt like they, it didn't have to be so I don't know it was just too much of it it's just like I get it I think this one they tried to make about as much of a complete family friendly one as yeah. possible like yeah. especially if you think of like the like the kiss at the end Oh, yeah. Or like, like kind of at the end, but you know, it's like it was very like tentative, like physically, like they were, like they wanted to kiss, they did, but it was very, like light. Yeah, so as nervous as you can get. It's you know, and it's like that's one of the things. It's like, okay, like you can buy it. Like they they're not a hundred percent sure what they're doing here yet, and like you. I don't see anybody really objecting to that in the theater if you had like a ten-year-old kid there. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think some of the jokes, like, I think the humor might have been a little broader. Yeah. Because like they were aiming to be able to hit like a little bit lower age range 
knowing that anybody older is going to be fine anyways. You know what I mean? Like, I think they were able to probably scoop up, like, a little bit of a younger demographic or make it a little bit more family-friendly than, like, Endgame. Yeah. Or, like, you know, Civil War or any of those. Like, those are... Those are pretty hardcore. Like yeah, honestly, you, got dying. you know, There's a it, lot more violence. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, it's it's definitely pitched more to as a, a, a earlier age demographic as opposed to people who've been following all this. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's definitely language and everything, right, you know, yeah. but it's like even that. I think if I think about it, it's probably I think it was still kind of restrained. Yeah. Although I mean, Marvel in general, it's not that bad. I mean, yeah, compared to a lot of the stuff that's out these days, I feel like we've, as far as the censor boards, it <laughs> keeps getting pushed and pushed every year because people want, you know, we're not susceptible to certain things. But uh, that, so you consider that your pro? In that no, um, like I guess I was just in response, but like, I mean, I guess for me the pro was that it felt very classic Spider-Man in that. He, like, there was an old Spider-Man comic where it's, like, he just wanted to go to sleep. And he was just trying to, like, go home so he could go to sleep. And everything in the world was happening to him, like, on the way home. And it's, like, his, his, Peter's, you know, drive was he wants to go to bed. Everything else is happening to him. And he's responding because he's got the responsibility of Spider-Man. And here, it's like, all he wants to do is, you know, be a kid, enjoy the trip, be with MJ, and, you know, take that very personal risk. Yeah. And, but, again, like, the entire world is conspiring against him being able to do that. And, you know, trying to think here, I don't know, again, I don't think they do it in Far From Home. Well, I guess they do. Uh, It's that idea, like, they haven't shown us in these movies, thankfully, Uncle Ben getting, you know, shot because oh, yeah. he had been, he, you know, ignored the responsibility, paid the price. Like, they haven't done that in these movies. Everybody knows it. But I think they keep coming back to that idea with, like, you know, it's the first movie it was, do I go to the prom with the girl that I really like? Oh, yeah. Do I walk away from this fight with her Dang. father yeah. in order to, like, you know, be safe and have the girl and this and that? But, and he struggled with it. But he did make the right choice. And then in this one, it's, you know, do I, you know, like, what does he prioritize? And he, the one time he didn't prioritize, he used that misread of the, the note from Tony. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, it's like, like he put, he, I think even, like, as he's saying it, you can tell, like, he's grasping for the idea that this isn't, Like this is like don't read this the obvious way. Wait a minute, you can read it almost backwards, and it says something different. So here you go. I'm gonna go do this. So like the one time he specifically like sets away that responsibility and tries to walk away with it, he immediately pays like a heavy price for it. And so I think like I like that they keep doing it for these movies uh, where it's still about a guy that wants to kind of have a normal life, but he won't ultimately walk away from responsibility. Uh, It's a little bit more of like, he has an actual life than like almost any of the other Marvel characters that I can think of. Yeah. Uh, I mean, except maybe Thor, because like Thor's life is 
being a god. Yeah, it's like, it's like he yeah. that, he yeah. just lives a life that is bigger and you know crazier. But no one else do you see really have much of anything outside of the costume. But Peter does. Yeah. So, but that that's my big pro. It's probably just that they keep that like personal quest versus the responsibility coming up over and over again. And what would be like your con? Like what big con you would see from this movie? Um, I don't like it. I still don't like it that they kill the villains every time or close to every time. Yeah. Um, like I, I was very, I was actually really happy again, like with uh, Homecoming, that Michael Keaton lived. He's a great freaking villain. He was yeah. gr- a great A actor. Um, I know with Mysterio, like there's always a chance that like either somebody else takes it up or like that was a trick in the end somehow. I don't yeah. know how, but I mean, sure, why not? You know, like, but I don't see why they keep wasting grade A, you know, actors and characters just to, like, have the big finale. It's like, mm-hmm. like Batrock from uh, Civil War, if you guys remember him at all. Uh, he was, like, at the beginning when they, like, Cap drops in to save, like, the boat. Uh, like, Cap and... and oh, Batrock from, like... Drop in. Was it Batrock from the... It was a Winter Soldier, wasn't he? Was he in Winter Yeah, because... Oh, maybe it was Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah. Soldier. Yeah, yeah. like the... Uh, it's like the, the very beginning. The Leaping Frenchman, yeah. Yeah, and he's the pirate guy. He's like the guy who stole the big vessel from S.H.I.E.L.D. He had hijacked it. And he's like the leader, and... He's played he by George St. Pierre, which was like a more yeah. random yeah. Like, like this guy. Yeah, great that. fight. Yeah, fight. Yeah. He's not dead, so far as we know. So how cool would it be to see him show up again yeah, at some point? Cool. You know, it's like so. Like I wish they would Even just in like the Captain America movie. Any of them, yeah, like anything. Yeah. But it's like, can you imagine, like uh, Doctor Doom or somebody shows up, you know, later, and it's like he's gonna need a henchman. Yeah, it's like they do like, it for the other characters, but they can't do it for antagonists. It's like you're gonna run out. Of- I, well, yeah, it's like there's no reason not to necess- you know, not to Have interconnect minor, that. Yeah, as minor much, villains, but. you know. I'll say for my big pro of this was the whole... What I did like about this film was explore more of, like I said, the conflict that Peter had. Yeah. Was the expectations he was given, saying the high expectations, like, you know, the pressure that he had a little to be in the next Toy Stark, but at the same time, he's struggling with being, you know, just a neighborhood spider, but also wants to live a normal life, try to balance that, but at the same time, try to keep his identity secret. Which I did like because like, this film kind of explores a little bit of that. What I like about it, it shows the fears because you don't see a lot of like these heroes' fears. And the, I kind of like for the fact that when Myster- that one scene when Mysterio puts fear to this illusion, like Mysterio exposes Peter's fears, which I did like because it just shows that hey, even these big heroes with these powers and abilities can sometimes be afraid, mm-hmm. afraid of going to like the next level, the next step. So that's why I did like about the film, like because Mysterio to me. It was a great job. Jake Gyllenhaal did a great job portraying Mysterio and kind of give that character, you know, hey, I'm going to be a good guy, but at the same time, hey, I'm going to flip the script. I'm actually a bad guy. Like, he was a, a manipulator, basically. Think about it. He manipulated everybody throughout the whole film. His whole team. <laughs> yeah. Him and his whole team. That's why, like, too, he had a team, which was, like, kind of cool. And I kind of like the fact this film was, it was just one villain. Think about it. it was just one master one mastermind. It wasn't like you know the Raimi films where yeah, they put a bunch of villains together. Like mm-hmm. you know, oh my God, Spider-Man three, where you know you had Spider-Man facing freaking Sandman, 
Green Goblin again, or the New Goblin, or whatever the uh, Harry Osborn was called, and freaking Venom at the last second. Himself. <laughs> and himself, yeah. basically. It's like, so I like this one. That was a big relief that this film actually focused on just like, it was just like one mastermind and, you know, behind it all. And the, the big comment was, to me, was of this film was they could have used anybody else to team up with Spider Man. Don't get me wrong, I love Samuel L. Jackson. And, yeah, I mean, you, but yeah. it just to me it was like he necessarily wasn't supposed to be there. You think about it. If you take Nick Fury, and Maria out of the way, it could have been just just basically Spider-Man versus Mysterio. I mean, well, what he kind of had no reason. To, I mean, Nick Fury was just there just to give. Oh, here, here, here's the glasses. That was it. But honestly, if you look at this film, he there wasn't that much of an involvement between Nick Fury and you know there wasn't that much. You know, it was just him just watching Peter. He was mostly like a chaperone. Anyway, it was just a chaperone. What I did, what I did also like was to obtain Happy becoming the new, almost like a fighter figure to Peter, like he's watching out for him. Because remember, you know, Happy mm-hmm. said, "I lost my best friend." And I did like that suit, that new suit that he got at the end, though. Then the suit that he helped create, that was kind of cool. It was like a little throwback. You see that? And then that one scene where they're in the plane, they're flying to London, and then freaking Happy puts the music on. It's freaking ACDC. Mm-hmm. Freaking Peter's like, "I love Led Zeppelin." I'm like, <laughs> "That was getting hilarious." Oh man, <laughs> that was a very true. That's a little callback for somebody who would be that age yeah. right now. Um, what I would say though too is like because I, I I like it when they broaden the picture. So like, who is it? Uh, Everett. Um, he was in uh, I think Civil War. And he was in Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, that one, Everett Ross or something? Yeah, Ross. Agent Ross. Um, played by the guy um, who played Hobbit. And Martin Freeman. Oh, yeah, yes, right. Martin, yeah, Martin, Martin Freeman. Like, you could have had him perform many of the same functions that Nick Fury did. Yeah. Except I think what they needed to do was establish, like, they needed to lead up to the reveal. That, yeah. Like, because they would imitate somebody they could. They could. Yeah, and even if it's not dead on perfect, and then an un, you know, like uh, uh, an unveiling, like I got the impression like they did that because they knew him, you know. But like, yeah, it could have been somebody else, but like just for, to make the story work like full circle, I think it had to be Nick Fury, Nick Fury <laughs> just so that it could be so that you would understand the imitation, and then like. Like understand, like that he was in on it, I guess. Yeah. Because like, if it had been, they just reveal that it was a an imitation of Nick Fury, and then they don't show Nick Fury right afterwards, then it's like, wait, yeah, did he just, you know, how long has he not been Nick Fury? All this other stuff. But in this case, it's like, no, Fury's definitely in on it. Yeah. So like, if it had been somebody else. Like, somebody else could have fulfilled those, like, story beats. Yeah. It could have been, you know, Jessica Jones, whatever. It doesn't matter. You know, just somebody that had some sort of intelligence ability to move the plot along. But I think it had to be that for the planning aspect. I'll say the fighting, too, was a little... It was really good. Like, the choreograph, the fight choreography and the effects for the fights, you know, the elementals. And then that the one fight in London that was actually really good. It was more fluid, more... Because it's like he's facing drones, so it's like, that was kind of cool. I kind of like for the fact he used different gadgets, you know. You know, you just had Peter create the suit. 
which I did like the color scheme, which was actually cool. It's like a callback to. They're trying to be more resourceful. Yeah, he was he's more resourceful. Kid, but like I said, and what I like too, like he said, his powers are still developing because he's still a young kid. I like the fact that finally his spider sense, he finally honed into his spider sense, or his, for right now, Peter Tingle. He finally was able to put it to good use of that one scene when he's fighting Mysterio in that tunnel, like that bridge-like tunnel, I think it's called. Like a tunnel, I think it was. Or a bridge. Whoever. Like the pedestrian bridge or like the final Like a pedestrian bridge, yeah. Okay, yeah. I kind of like the fact that he finally decided to use it. Like at first he was just ignoring it, but it finally he decided to embrace it. Like, this is part of me. I got to use it. And I kind of like that scene where he's actually using the spider sense and everything. And I, like I said, with Mysterio, I think now would be that point we should just talk about that ending. Oh, yeah. Because, like I said, there was... Uh, what are you talking about, the, the, the double... The two scenes? Oh, and after credit, crap. Well, well if you want to, before we get to that, let's just say, hey, you know, right now, Peter defeats Mysterio. He finally gets the glasses back. He finally gets Edith back, like... But I think he still holds on to it. He's, I think back, the way, to, he's he, back to being an adventure. So yeah. all the kids yeah, got there like safely. Got it, yeah. yeah, so all the kids got back safely, which... Yeah, I got, I got like, like I said, I like for a fact is that you show Peter's classmates a little more. Of this film, they show a little bit more, and then of course, you know, MJ actually had feelings for Peter, mm-hmm. which I kind of like for a fact. It wasn't just Peter chasing MJ. MJ, yeah, MJ actually had feelings for Peter too, and she was always watching him. Even though well, I kind of like that, they were a lot like they were a lot alike. Like mm-hmm. They thought they would be. They were a lot, a lot alike. That's what it is. They were like kind of like they were both basically nerds. Like you know, they pretty much liked each other. But they had to find somehow, some way, you know. It's the, antagon- the, the girlfriend or, or the love interest of the other one wasn't. A, well, obviously, because it didn't stretch out the way he wanted it to after he finds out that Vulture is her dad. But, like, that just didn't feel as right to me. Knowing that they're leading up for him to get to Mary Jane, but it's like, as the first uh, love interest for him, is I, I was just like, are you sure? You Liz Thompson, yeah. <laughs> Compared, like, I'm just like, yeah. Again, but very true yeah. to high school, you yeah. know, where it's like you go, where where many people have, I'm sure, lived in that experience of like, there is somebody who you might like if you thought about it, and that would definitely, you know, might definitely like you, but like you're always looking at, you're never looking at the person next to you, you're always looking at the person like three rows up, or... Or it's like you the know. next door neighbor that happens to be a female, and you've been close ever since, and then you start talking about, oh, I, but I really like this girl, and they're like, why? And then it's mm-hmm. like, oh, because I like you, yeah. But so, like, yeah, they they present internal conflicts of the teenage heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so so they go, and they, they are basically boyfriend and girlfriend, um... By the end, yeah. So now we get Peter back to, you know, doing his neighborhood spider thing. Oh, yeah, there's two scenes, people. So there is two scenes. Um, Actually, you know, just let you guys know, this is a big spoiler right now because if you're going to stick around for the film, you got to watch these two scenes because they do play a key role of what's going to be moving forward next year. So the the first scene. Who knows? Why someone linked it on YouTube? (laughs) So basically, like, the first mid-credits scenes, of course... um, See Peter swinging around and he's texting, you know, he's swinging and texting and you see that little tweet between them and you see MJ's like, don't swing and text and stuff, I'm almost there. And then it's like, and you got to see her reaction, what's funny was her reaction swinging through the same experiment, how it actually feels like. From right. another mm-hmm. person's like perspective, it was like the Superman and Lois Lane. Yeah. Type of deal. Type of deal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very. Yeah. S- very similar with that. Well, like at least in spirit, if in not spirit, in result. Yeah. So you got to swing around. She's all freaking out, and then finally, when they find a place to land, she's like, "Let's." She's like, "Let's not do this again." And then you know, everything looks like it's going normal, 
And then all of a sudden you just hear this new thing popping up. And then out of the blue, someone they never thought they were going to mention. Somebody, you know, there was rumors. If I confirmed that Jade Jonah Jameson is actually on in the first Spider-Man. Guess who gets to play him? Someone who was never mentioned in the pre-thing. Who was never, you know, announced or anything. They kept it pretty much a surprise. J.K. Simmons reprising his role as J. Joy Jameson. And what's cool about it, it looks like it was a website. It was like a webcast. Yeah, it was like, yeah. a, Buzzfeed like, a, like, a, like a BuzzFeed type thing. But it's at DailyBugle.net. <laughs> but still, yeah, freaking J.K. Yeah. Simmons, though. It was J.K. Simmons. You know, he got the mustache. It was kind of cool. And eventually, it reveals that... Because if you remember the fight with Mysterio, and that one dude was downloading something. And to me, it didn't catch me until afterwards, after we left the theater, that, hey, this is what happened. This is what he was downloading. And apparently what happened was DavidBugle.net am getting this footage. And it shows, you know, the, 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 what the fight between Mysterio and Spider-Man. You could tell it was altered. It was butch- It was like altered. Like it was edited to make it look like Spider-Man oh, was yeah. mm-hmm. making Mysterio the victim and making Spider-Man the one who had controlled the drones, who ended up attacking people. So it was like that footage. It was all that doctored footage, and of course, you see all the people looking around, looking, staring at Spider-Man. And then we thought, okay, that's it. Then all of a sudden, it goes back, and then Jameson reveals that that the identity of Spider-Man is Peter Parker. So to me, that was like, holy shit! This is the end of phase, you know, three or four. Now it's kicking off a new phase. But you think about it. This is almost similar to when Tony Stark at the end of Iron Man one's like, "I am Iron Man." And then all the news thing. So now the big question is, now that people know who Spider-Man really is, I wonder how that's going to affect Peter Parker in general now, now that everyone knows who he is. Because his shot was shown on, you know, in front of the building, like on a, on a monitor. As he's staring right in front of it. He's staring right in front of it. It's like, now that's the big thing. How is the people going to react now? I you think know, it was nice. It was like a little, like, uh-oh. Like, it was like a reveal, but at the same time, it's like something that's never been done in a Spider-Man film. Uh... No, if you think about it, he's never revealed his identity to the public. Uh, but it's done in the comics. It's done in the comics where there was a comic where, like, in Civil War where he decided to reveal his identity. Yeah. And I mean, it's like a what-if thing, you know. And, like, happened. He shows his identity, and, there, and then all of a sudden, the village who he was, they went after his family, yeah. went to his relatives, went after people that he cared about. But in this one, it was, like, a bigger, like, what the hell, that's, you know. That's what, that's had the last laugh. Like, Mr. had a contingency plan. He had a backup plan. Yeah. That was his backup plan. That's what he said at the end. He's like, I have my con- contingency. That's what it was. He had a backup plan. It was this. This was going to happen. And I guess he had to set up, like, in case he ends up not making it, he had his backup plan he was going to expose, you know. Because now, to the point, the government's going to step in and say, hey, this kid has control of these drones and stuff now he's going to be like a threat to national security I don't think they're going to do that I think it's going to be like they're going to be trying to keep an eye on him or something well to try and go after him for murder because like theoretically like my understanding of it Mr. was still technically a hero that's what yeah that's like what how how it was spun by that like propaganda clip was basically he was the wait a minute you all don't know the story he was the hero and Spider-Man killed him and recklessly endangered innocence. And now that's what Spider-Man has to fight against. I liked that. Um, well, I, I, I saw that part and a lot of other parts of Subliminals for what we live in right now. So, Because it, it was a very polarizing clip. And since we live in polarizing times where news, so our, a lot of our news outlets are, are literally just paying for views and not providing factual news. So I think 
we saw that with that reveal because it's like, oh, it's the Spider-Man and the doctor clips of him basically killing Mysterio with his, with the, it made it look like, he, not that he shot him, right? That he was basically already dead and he was standing above him. But like, like they, you they know, know they, they show you what they want you to see and not what really happened. So we're going to see him deal with that. But then they can always just take it another way. And that's like, that was one of my, I want to say a midway con for me is that I thought, I, I felt like that was a little too early. Because they could have saved that, and that could have just been like something, like akin to like how they killed the mate, the these guys so fast without hey we can flesh out like. Well, I think they don't know how many more movies they're gonna have him for yeah. for certain. Because I think right now, out, like, based on his contract, movies. yeah, he this is his fifth one. He's always set up for one more. So I think the reason why they want to do this is like now, Marvel has to find some way to ask someone, hey, we want to keep doing with this kid. He's a young cat. I think he'll do it. I think he's I enjoying think he it. Too, he's enjoying. Yeah. He's having fun with it. He likes it. Like he's enjoying it. If he wants to be, to- if he wants to be Robert Downey, this is his moment to do it at this point because that'd be. A and then, for him. but I just like the fact that J.K. Simmons is back as J. Jonah Jameson, which is hilarious. Because honestly, I couldn't picture anybody else to play that character. There is speculation. It was either on Comic Book Resource or Newsarama because those are two I read. But like somebody did point out that like this is the time where next movie. It could be Craven, oh, because oh, Craven. Oh, and then I was reading it, too, like the actor who played Colossus in the Deadpool movies. He wants to play Craven. Nah. The Russian actor. He wants to play Craven. He's a big guy. Yeah. Uh, but just the idea that like you could, this could be why Craven goes after Spider-Man. Is because he killed innocents. Well, well, oh, the because fight. there's a mount, uh, a bounty on yeah. him. There's a bounty on him, so yeah. Spider-Man will get a bounty on his head. He do what he loves best. <laughs> yeah, and so, it, so it oh, may be. that'd be so bad. And plus, honestly, and plus, Craven's powers are pretty much. He takes a serum that which basically enhances his abilities. Yeah, it just bulks him out. But he's a yeah. good marksman. Like but he's, he's a good. He's honor. Just he's like he's like a himself. yeah a high level yeah, like, like super high level fighter. That's the that's the thing. It's like he's just like. He's just like Batman without the gadgets, but he's just. But think about it too. Mm-hmm. And Batman's not. And then a lot of people are saying around. A lot of theories are saying this could be open up for Matt Murdock to step in, defense Spider-Man. Because I know what Charlie Cox says he'll be interested. In, like, because remember, they still have that two-year. Weird. But they still have that two-year um, thing where, if they do the film for Spider-Man, you know it's going to be two years out. Right. And the court let Netflix clause with these uh, Netflix Marvel characters. They can't use those characters for two years, so about the same time, they could probably bring Matt Murdock in to defend Spider-Man. Like, it could be Matt Nerd defending Peter Parker. It could also be Jennifer Walters, though. The, Jessica Jones? No, uh, She-Hulk. She-Hulk? Because, uh, cool. that, like, uh, I think it's Jennifer Walters, but uh, She-Hulk's original, like, vocation is she's a lawyer. Yeah. Um, so that could be if if they well, at the just, same time they, they have to bring something. in Bruce Banner. Or I don't no, know. no, no. Why would they need to do yeah. that? Yeah, like, I mean, it could, you could find about, out that it's yeah. like, hey, kid, I'm your lawyer. Bruce sent me. Yeah, that could be something like that. You yeah, know, like, it could be something so like that. They, yeah, they, they could, be a friend of Bruce and be like, oh, sweet. And of course, he'll be like, yeah, you could represent me. Like that would make uh, sense. Yeah, where you could find out, you know, what's going on. You know. Yeah, and then, and you wouldn't even necessarily have to have her become She-Hulk by any means, but you would lay that. As a groundwork, because I know there were talks that, that there in the world. Like the because I know there were talks of possibly doing an A yeah, Force well, yeah, movie, yeah, yeah. but I'd be interested in doing eight because there were talks of probably doing like a female-led, you know, A Force movie. And of course, we saw that little bit in Endgame where you saw the female heroes had their moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see them doing that. Not because I, I, I mean, the comic book didn't last that long no. for A Force and. 
I don't. But well, I don't like I said, it. it's like to me that was one thing that was kind of cool. I understand. Like I read the article, like comicbook.com. You know, they asked you know John Watts like why he decided to go that route, why he decided to go route. But it's like he decided to give like a twist. You know, we had Tony Stark reveal he is Iron Man and the first movie. Why not do something that was undone in the comic book movie? Peter Parker's identity is revealed to the public. You know, and see how the public reacts to Peter Parker. We'll have to wait and see. Like I said. We won't know because, like I said, there's no more movie planned for the end of this year. The next movie's not planned till May of next year. And it, right now, based on the list that Disney has, it just says Untitled Marvel Project. It, it says Untitled Marvel Project. We don't know what the next film is. Yeah. I know they're doing casting for Internals, and we know Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, you know, James Gunn's back. But there's no, I mean, I know Chris Hemsworth said he's open to come back in Thor, even though his contract is already up. It's done. But he's willing to come back and ca- come back as Thor. He's, like I said, we just got to wait and see. And now we can talk about the second post-credits, which this happened at the end, was, of course, Nick Fury. We see Nick Fury in the beach. But if we see a car pull up, we see Nick Fury and, you know, and uh, no, Maria they, Hill. They, they pull up in the car first, and it's Nick Fury and Maria Hill. Hill, and then all of a sudden... Um, and then all of a sudden they transform to the scrolls, who were the two scrolls from Captain Marvel. As soon as you heard that name Talos, I'm like, that's the dude from Captain Marvel. That was the scroll that, you know, Captain Marvel ended up, like, you know, at the end, they were, en- were, they were enemies at first, but they ended up becoming, you know, allies at the end of the film. It was, uh, they ended up becoming allies, and it was interesting because it kind of explained a lot. And then all of a sudden you see him call Nick Fury, and Nick Fury's like, in a beach, it looked like he was like in a beach somewhere. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it's revealed that he's in the space station with a bunch of scrolls. So now people are saying this is going to be like, like you know, Secret Invasion or Secret Wars or Secret Invasion that's coming out soon. So I'm guessing that's a big tease of what's to come, basically. Yeah, I mean, I said it at the time, but it's like I, I assume that it's either he is actually building like the next level of Shield, or it'll be that Sword Agency from the comics. Um, that the way they defined it there was that it was like facing outward threats. Intergalactic threats now because of Thanos ever since, you know. Yeah. With Thanos and the Black Order, it was like now. Yeah, I mean. It's not just local. It's not like global threats now. It's intergalactic threats now. So like that could, I think that that's probably the most obvious uh, conclusion from that. I don't think that necessarily makes it correct by any means because they've done a good job of you know, just outright deception at times in order to keep their plans, you know, quiet and be able to pull off the the things that they've, you know, done so far. But I think it definitely made people... I think it built up enough mystery that's going to make people, like, wonder and want to know what the next couple are because it could give some kind of clue as to what that scene meant. But... I don't know. I don't know how much longer Samuel Jackson's going to stick around for yeah. for all these. Although he acts a lot. I mean, he's in a lot of stuff every year anyway, yeah. so he might be more inclined to keep popping in and out. Because, like, you can't use him for all of this. You can't use him for all these movies. Or, like, because he made an appearance in that one. Wasn't he in Ant-Man, too? Mm-mm. No, he wasn't. I don't think he was or, in either uh, Ant-Man's... Um, he was in any of the Guardian movies. I can't think of what else he might not have... Well, I don't think he was in... He wasn't in all the Thor movies, either. He wasn't in any of the Thor movies, I don't think. No. 
Like, S.H.I.E.L.D. wasn't the first one, but I don't think... Like, maybe he appeared, like, on the phone or something. I don't know. I don't remember the first Thor movie well enough to say that 100%. Like, S.H.I.E.L.D. was... No, because I think it was mostly, like, Coulson there. Like, Coulson... Yeah. It was more like Coulson was stationed there by Fury. He was stationed at the Hammer in the first movie of Thor. And we saw a first glimpse of Hawkeye, because all you thought Hawkeye was looking for S.H.I.E.L.D. And... Like I said... Don't forget, I mean, we still got those shows that are coming up to Disney+. Plus. You got the Falcon and Motor Soldier. Then you got... Loki, to me, is more going to be like a time travel thing. Because, I mean, with the early, like, shots, it looks like he's, like... He took this time, like, the stone. The Tesseract, oh, yeah, and he right. traveled back to time. So, I think what's going to happen is he's traveling to different eras. Trying to hide or something, or give his influence, you know? It's like... Or and then to me, like Falcon and Winter Soldier is gonna be like almost like a buddy cop thing, but at the same time, it's like Falcon taking the mantle of Captain America. Like as you can see, the end of end game, Captain Game and Shield, like you're the next one. You're taking over, kid. You know, it's like here's your. I just don't. I just think it's gonna get really clunky really fast, even with those properties. Depending on what they want to, do, what how they want to keep the Marvel Cinematic Universe, well, not away necessarily from the TV stuff, but like. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like how C, the CW does with their stuff and how the deep whatever the DC people are trying to do, but like it's it's kind of like that. I could definitely not not trying to rain on the parade or anything, but I can see that biting back at them because considering that like you're you have some you have a lot of fan people who who do want to see a continuation of Daredevil or. Or Luke Cage, like we got all these cancellations. I think a lot really fast, without any close closure for each of the characters. I, I don't know because it was basically because they knew Netflix. Like, it's like, one ne- like Netflix was pretty much a word that you know Disney was on the up and out. That we're not going to re up. That we're going to start. But that's what I mean. Is like it's to just, me that was like a bull if thing. If you want to keep this universe not necessarily completely tied up, that it has to be perfectly wound up, but like. If you want to have it correlated to, because then you got Agent of Shield that does really well with that, and then like, like little bits. It doesn't have to be that ham-fisted. But what I'm saying is like you're gonna, as as like writing is concerned, it get, it's gonna get really clunky really fast to where you're gonna have people in the writer rooms that forgets certain plot holes and certain things. And yeah, because it's great plot holes. We also have to have closure. We gotta make sure this makes sense and to make this makes sense. And that can get really complicated when you involve TV universe characters because you also have to remember what they're aligned with. And like so, how you mentioned Daredevil could be brought into this. I'm not saying you, it couldn't, but then it's like you also got to make it a reason to how that would make sense in the grand scheme of things for him, and how the hell him and Peter could ever meet. Not saying their house kitchen is far away from Queens, but it's like we're talking about two different characters, different different agendas and missions. Like you have to introduce a kingpin into that. You got to do all this. It's like you're that's you're just yeah. That's like a whole other fucking piece of cake. And like I, and pretty much, <laughs> so it's, yeah. It's gonna get crazy really fast, and you're gonna like it's you're gonna hit the bubble of like, like these movies are gonna be making money for. And like I said, the two, Holy the whole shit. thing about they mentioned the multiverse and you know Earth yeah, is, like, like Earth six one six is the main universe. You just can't. Keep the big question is, that, is what I'm saying. I was saying, Monsieur his story. I was like, well, story out. You think because of the blip and stuff, you think it created like a dimensional rift? And well, for, I always say it wrong. Ferg, Ferg, however, um, he's come out and he said there is a multiverse. Watch Doctor Strange. Yeah, it's already. He goes, we we established it in there. It's been said way before Spider, but before Far From Home, that there is a multiverse. Yeah, the word is actually used. 
So I think it's just that, uh, like, Mysterio happened to make up a story <laughs> yeah. that actually happened to overlap with what reality is in the Marvel Universe, mm -hmm. in that there's a multiverse. So, like, I'm sure if they keep going, like, I'm trying to think I say this, like, I'm sure if you had the ancient one there, yeah. she wouldn't necessarily designate the Marvel Universe as, like, your Universe 616. Like, that's, I'm assuming, like, that's a number Mysterio and his writer came up with because it sounds cool, you know? Um, whereas, like, the actual multiverse as, you know, like, known... I don't know. I don't know. They no, might the main universe in the comics like, is a six one six. But like, there, there's no reason to think that like Mysterio had any actual knowledge of the multiverse of any of that. Like, he yeah, could have called it, so it like believable. this is you know Marvel Universe K. Like, it could have been like it just doesn't matter. Like, he just said something. Whereas like it's really like whatever they established, if anything, in Doctor Strange, that's the idea that the multiverse is there because everything Mysterio said was why. It was just so you'd buy his story. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, having said that, like, I'm assuming they're going to use the multiverse. I think it just keeps people from having the easy idea that, like, oh, this is going to blow it up. Now we know exactly how this and this and this are going to happen. Mm -hmm. So they took that away. Yeah. Like, it's so possible because they've already laid that groundwork. They just did it more quietly than people realize. So <laughs> they can still do it, but it's not necessarily going to be, like, the first thing that people think of, I think. When they're like, well, how are they going to bring more heroes in? How are they going to do this? How are they going to do this? Like, well, you know what I mean? It's like they, 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 it's still like on the oven. It's just like on the back burner instead of like, yeah. this is like the most. Because then it's like you, you. I also think it's like because then you also could limit yourself choosing certain characters. Like, so if they want to bring X-Men and Fantastic Four, if they plan on doing that. And then you're like, oh, but we should bring the TV characters in, too. It's like, that's that's when I'm going to be like, oh, what the hell? It's like, what do you guys really want, then? I'm not, not, not going to stop watching the movies, regardless, but it's just like, I want it. It's, it still needs to be sequential, and it still needs to be a story that's fleshed out. Because then it's like, we all know they always write the bad guys bad. They just, they just, it's just inevitable. Because the movies, people don't go for the bad guys. They go for seeing their superheroes kick ass. Mm -hmm. So we go to see like the story's pretty, pretty like similar in all these things, and we all know it. But it's how it's the journey, not the destination, that we all look for. And I, that's that's my worry is that it's like it's gonna start beginning too much that uh, people are not gonna. I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna be oversaturated. I mean, like I said, the next project they're working right now they're casting is the Eternals. All we know is Angelia Jolie's cast. And I know they're still looking for other people casting. And it's like, I want to see how that's going to be played out. So basically, the internals are basically like Marvel's version of the Greek gods. They were all celestials. But, of course, when they go to Earth, they're revealed as like, they're people worshiping them as gods, basically. But they're basically celestials. Yeah. And remember, like, Peter Quill is supposed to be he's part celestial. Well, the, the internals weren't. At like at least in the comics, they're not celestial level. They're they're a different. I don't remember if they were like I think, I think they were they were well in the Marvel in the comics there is the Norris gods that mm -hmm. actually exist like via Thor, just not how humanity thought they were. 
but the Greek gods also exist. Yes. That's where you get Hercules. Like, yeah, you get they, Hercules, they are yeah. actual gods. And there's the Roman gods. Uh, I think. <laughs> well, so, the Roman but, gods are pretty much the same. But, they're different, they're the Greek gods with different they're, names. They're, they're, yeah. But, but I think they, they exist again. It's like yeah. another. Like, I think these different pantheons do exist. And the Eternals in the comics, the way they said it, were not the Greek gods, but several of them exist, like, exhibited powers that seemed to be what you would think of, like Mercury, Markarai, or however they say it as the Eternal, was super fast and flies. So when humans would see him, they'd think, oh, it's Mercury the God. Mm-hmm. And, oh, hey, his name is similar. So, like, they were definitely, like, a step down from gods, but they were very powerful. Mm-hmm. At least, like, a step down from, like, true gods like Thor, if you're going to call him a, a god. Um, and they were manufactured. I think they were a celestial experiment, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, this is this year, according to, like, like I said, this is here, yeah, they are celestials, but it looks like um, they end up establishing the cities. First was Olympia, which is the Greece, so that's where the whole Greek gods... Original. <laughs> no, it, no, it's, it's not looks like It's uh, Polaria, located in Siberia, and then Oceania in the Pacific. So it looks like, you know... Mm. I mean, it depends on uh, like how they're gonna interpret the internal, like the light up and stuff. It's like it's up to the way they do it. I just don't. I'm sure they're hoping for it to land and stick well, just like Guardians of Galaxy did. But like I said, it's a stretch, like anything else. It's yeah. a stretch. I mean, and they it depends because like they haven't. I mean, because with Thor they went big cosmic, and they haven't done anything that's like big fantasy yet. And, like, they could do that with the Eternals. Like, I mean, that that's a property or, like, an idea where it could be, you know, like a, a new... What is it? Uh, Clash of the Titans? Is that what I'm thinking? Mm-hmm. Like, it could be a Clash of the Titans-style, you know, movie where it's ancient days with, like, immortal beings and this and that and like that could be really cool and it's not something they've done before and then if you've got long lived characters like Thor you know if they're any if they do anything sort of like that there's no reason movie 2 they don't show up or you know in present day or even if they show up in some other random movie and Angelina Jolie comes from around the corner and it's like I'm here to help Mm -hmm. you know you give us one movie of the back in the day and then she's like a present character it's like okay it makes sense and here you've got you know Angelina Jolie, I guess. I just don't like her. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, um, like I said, that's something that I mean, that's what they're doing right now. They're casting that, and I know they're working on other Marvel projects. But like I said, we won't know anything until you know, until like like I said, they're coming back to Comic Con this year. They're gonna have a panel and everything. We'll have to, have to see, wait and see what their plans are, you know, moving forward. But overall, like Spider-Man: Far From Home, I enjoyed it. You know, it was a good second, good sequel. You know, to Homecoming, and of course, it's like I said, end of the phase of the Infinity Saga, where they call it. That's what Kevin Feige said. It was end of the, of the Infinity Saga. It was like a big closure, because now it's like you know, it reveals uh, Peter Park, like Peter Parker's Spider-Man. Now it opens up a new, new way. What's going to happen? Of course, showing the scrolls at the end of that postcard scene was kind of cool too, because that opens up, you know, what they're going to use from that, you know, like secret invasion storyline, like a lot of people are saying. There's, yeah, I, 
I'm not even going to, I don't want to say like I don't feel like I could even guess right now. I think we need to see the next movie titles. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we can do now. Yeah, we need to see the next right movie They're titles. just untitled. They're like, they're not yeah. even, they just have dates and we don't even know what they're going to be called next. Yeah. Uh, I, I still think they're going to go ahead and let Fantastic Four and X-Men rest for a while. Especially because Dark Phoenix was such a a flop, I guess. Like, no, I, I haven't seen it. It did worse than X-Men. Oh, it did bad. It did. Oh, yeah. It did worse than X-Men or just Wolverine. Did he? Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's like... Yeah, because honestly, that film did worse than I think Rotten Tomatoes had a score lower than X Men Origins Wolverine, and that was a big, you know. I think it's made less than that Fantastic Four. That yes, uh, it did. oh, the twenty fourteen one. Yeah. Oh God, that film. Oh God. No, no, I agree. Uh, they need to. They need to let X Men rest a little while. Yeah, I think if they do that, then they'd have a better chance to, uh, like, actually have it be. Um, what they need to do, like, be fresh. You know, again, and like, yeah, they, they need to that sit in the back burner for a bit because the saturation of things, the characters, like that, um, and it's like every time you're gonna bring these people in, and it's always a flop and stuff. You're gonna you you lose the confidence from the from fans or from broad audiences that want to take their kids because they, you know, you want to bring new fans. Like that's the mission, right? You wanna. You want to cater to certain, like the current fans, and spark their their creativity and interest in the characters, and bring new people in. So, but like, what I want them to do is bring Miles Morales, but I'm asking for too much. I'm okay with Spider Verse and Spider Verse right now. That'd be kind of cool. It'd be dope. But bring Spider Gwen in there. Bring yeah. like Gwen in there, and it'd be fun. But I know they won't do that. Uh, but I know Tom Holland did mention that they should. Like he even said like. They should, but I don't think they Because will. he was a big fan of the Into the Spider-Verse film, like the animated film. He was a big fan of it. Apparently, they said that he recorded a cameo, which they didn't use. Tom Holland did? Yeah. I guess for, it, for Into, Into the Spider-Verse, Spider yeah. Oh. That would be weird. I've not seen that yet. It's on Netflix now, so I'm yeah. sure I'll get to see it shortly, but it's not on I like that film. It was really good. It was like the whole show the different Spider-Man from the universe. And like I said, like the whole thing now with the whole multiverse mention in the MCU, it's like, it, it's a possibility to bring, you know, Miles Morales in or bring, you know, I, I could definitely Stacy in. I could definitely see them introducing Miles the same way they did Falcon, honestly, yeah. where it's like, hey, you know, we think that this character... This guy could take over at some point. He'd be a kid in the school. Yeah, uh, and, and that's the thing. It's like you know, I guess with them having Peter, the age Peter is, I think Miles was a high school character. Like I never read. I actually didn't read Ultimate Spider-Man ever, really. Yeah, um, so I didn't. I'm not yeah. super familiar with how they transitioned it, how he was introduced. I, I don't really know too much about that. But, well, I know um, Spider-Verse kind of took borrow a little bit from the Ultimate Spider-Man, so it does show that transition. But you know, he, but he could come up in a lot of ways, and you know, again, maybe he's at that school. Maybe he's somebody that helps Peter when he's on the run in the yeah. next movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, you never know. But I think they could definitely bring him in because I guess what? What's his face? Uh, Donald Glover. Yeah. He's. I guess like in world or whatever. I think that character's supposed to be the uncle yeah, of Miles. He's, he's, yeah, he's like, yeah, and I have a nephew who uh, who's like in this neighborhood yeah. or something like that. So it's like they, they kind of have already yeah. 
given the idea. So, although I would love to see Donald Glover come back as Prowler, because yeah, that's that'd be cool. That, that's a cool character. Or, well, I think he's cool. So, but it was cool they did it in, in Into the Spider Verse because they did a good job with Prowler. Yeah. Oh, he's in there. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Great. <laughs> I'll to, I'll I'm going to have to watch it tonight. Yeah, enjoy that movie. Spider-Verse, guys, check that out. It's a Spider-Verse. Yeah, but like I that. said, um, definitely rec- go oh, see Spar From Home. Go see it. Enjoy it. You know, big Spider-Man fan. You always love this film. I mean, like I said, this is like the last MCU film for a while that's going to tie us over for a year, basically. We've got to wait a full, almost a full year. Um, overall, I did like the film. I enjoyed it. You know, it was, you know... It was a fun ride. Change of pace, you know, from the whole seriousness and... You know, fighting and violence of Endgame and Infinity War to more like a little bit lighthearted, almost like a family, like you said, a fa- let's say one of said about the family film aspect of it, but more like a like a high school vacation type film, basically. It was like almost like a summer break film. Yeah, I, I, it was I more like a summer break film if you think about it. I definitely recommend oh. it. Um, I mean, I saw that, and then the last couple of days, like actually leading into seeing that, and then uh, the couple of days afterwards, like I've watched Stranger Things. And it, it's. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to say anything about it except that, like, that throwback vibe. Like, Spider, like, Spider-Man like Spider has that same kind of, like, classic teen movie appeal, I think. Or, like, I think. Uh, definitely recommend it. Definitely recommend uh, Far From Home. Crap. And, and stay after the previews, guys. <laughs> yeah, stay after the It goes the... by fast. You don't even feel that you've been there for two hours, even with previews included. It goes by fast, guys. But yeah, overall, good movie. Watch it. If you like the first one, you'll you'll hopefully enjoy the second one. Uh, Enter the Spider-Verse is on Netflix if you can't get enough of Spider-Man for your fix. Uh, watch Stranger Things. just came out. It's doing its thing. If you want a nostalgic feel of the 80s or if you want to find out how it was in the 80s and how primitive it looked, <laughs> just playing. It was the best. Uh, other than that, uh, it's a great movie. And they did it again. Damn it, Marvel. They did it again. <laughs> Dude, they're all, they're what are they now? Twelve for twelve? Rather, I don't even know who they are, but like they yeah, it's they're something like that. Yeah, yeah, they just keep they're, they're doing Spider-Man justice this time around, guys. I think they're fine. I'm I'm excited. Oh, we know it's in good hands. That's all we yeah, can say. It's in, it's in really good hands. Sorry, Sony, but you fucked up. You there you fucked go. up bad. Don't even cut it back. You did. Sorry. Even though they did announce Venom Two is happening, so uh, I'm okay with that. I guess. Oh, Venom. Yeah, they did now spend too. So, well, they're better overseas apparently. They're better in China apparently. Because I think now it's like films now it's like pretty much going out to the other markets besides you know the domestic market. They're trying to make more of a worldwide approach. Because mm-hmm. you got all these like studios in other countries. That's why a lot of these films are filmed outside of the U.S. Because of the course tax breaks and all that fun stuff. Like it's cheaper to film outside of the U.S. It helps them out as well. Yeah. 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 Okay. So like I said. Guys, Spider-Man Far From Home is in currently now playing in theaters. I think and also in IMAX, apparently. So like I said, it's all the time got for you guys. Thank you for listening to Talking Pop with the Franchise and Biko. I am the Franchise, as always. Geek on and take care.